biblical Christian worldview. Media missionaries where Christianity and culture collide. Welcome to Biblical Christian Worldview. Today we'll finish the fourth in a series on lawlessness in America with the topic, If America Becomes Lawless, Should Christians Hide or Perish? We will also discuss the difference between Christians and what I have called biblical Christians. So let's get started. Lawlessness Part 4. If America Becomes Lawless, Should Christians Hide or Perish? This article represents the conclusion of a series which was anchored by the post, Will America Ever Become a Lawless Nation? The second article in the series offered a view of six major trends currently taking place in America that could bring down the most powerful nation in the world. There is a small but reasonable chance that our country could reach such a state in the next 10 years. It would be a time when there are no expectations of external protective services, no medical care, no fire, no police, no military. Further, no reliable supply chain of goods, no food, no water, and finally, no or very limited electricity because the power grid would likely be down. Should Christians hide and or otherwise attempt to protect themselves and their families? Or should we provide comfort to others by offering what little we have in exchange for a witnessing opportunity, which will assure our accelerated death? In the relatively unlikely event Christians are faced with these choices, there is no middle ground. Further, how we respond to hide or to perish will be the most important decision Christians make. A little background. There are numerous ways America may fall as a nation. They can be summarized under three broad categories, progressive, immediate, and scriptural. The underlying assumptions across all three is that God does not intend to rapture Christians out of the world before some level of significant persecution and or turmoil. Biblical theology behind pre-tribulation and post-tribulation eschatology and their subsets are beyond the bounds of this podcast. However, regardless of the methods God uses to insert his will, Christians must be watchful and must be prepared. A reference to 1 Corinthians 16.13. Consider our most recent experience with COVID. It was a pandemic with over 10% of the U.S. population having confirmed cases, resulting in almost a 2% mortality rate for those infected. Over the course of a year, we lost our First Amendment rights on multiple levels. Stores, restaurants, and offices were shut down. Travel was blocked. Meetings of any size were made illegal. Schools were canceled. Our country was upended in ways we could have never imagined or anticipated. But that's only a fraction of the true picture as we look forward. Reflect on the limited exposure you had with neighbors, your friends, your co-workers, and perhaps most significantly those you didn't even know. Did you feel the anxiety and tension as you waited your turn standing in line outside the local Walmart? Did you experience the isolation and lack of eye contact as you passed unknown faces in the grocery stores and those other limited venues, each with your mask on? Consider a country with an overwhelmed police department, hospitals filled to capacity, no fire department or ambulance services. Reflect on a country where the grocery and department store shelves are empty, 
having been looted, as we saw on television in downtown Minneapolis, New York, Los Angeles, and other cities due to the George Floyd incident. Consider our country without shipments of just-in-time food and supplies being delivered into cities, towns, and neighborhood stores, where clean water was no longer abundant and the power grid was not functioning dependably. Under some or all of these conditions, do you and your family have sufficient supplies to feed and protect yourselves from those who are in the same position? Reflect again on the faces of those you pass by in otherwise full grocery stores looking for toilet paper and flour. LifeWay researched a recent poll of pastors, of which 89% believe we are living in the end times. Further, YouGov did a recent poll of over a 1,000 U.S. adults, and only 43% believe they could survive more than a week in the event of an apocalypse. So a lawless America. If one or more of the four essential elements for survival, which are food, water, electricity, and security, are removed from our current society, mankind is going to experience an unprecedented panic. I've spent a great deal of time studying the potential impact of an America in panic. After generations of this country moving from an agrarian society to its current state, having a sophisticated just-in-time infrastructure, a return to living off the land with few governmental protections or services will be catastrophic. So again, the three levels, the first being progressive. If the events leading up to lawlessness are progressives, such as a collapse in the stock market, a pandemic, moral decay, climate change, genetic engineering, and the like, a few forward thinkers will try to prepare for the inevitable lawlessness that is to come. Some will hoard food. Others will find hiding places in the country hoping to live off the land. However, like the frog in the pot, most of the population will remain in denial long after their fate has been sealed. In a scenario of an immediate cataclysmic event, if cyber terrorists or an EMP knocks out the U.S. power grid or if a nuclear war with China, Russia, India, Pakistan, or North Korea is triggered, if a, if a GMD from the sun catches everyone by surprise or if we experience a major series of devastating earthquakes or tsunamis or floods, few will be prepared for the consequences of lawlessness. And finally, from a scriptural perspective, a reference to the end times. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappreciative, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Scripture continues to offer a picture of the tribulation as follows in Matthew twenty four fifteen through 18 and 21 and 22. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in the house. 
and let the one in the field not turn back to take his cloak, for there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. For the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. It should be noted that Scripture provides a solution to all of this. Um, and that's through Acts 2, 37 and 38, and Romans 10, 9 and 10. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And that's what biblical Christians need to be thinking about, I believe, as we potentially approach the end times. So a timetable for survival. Each of the scenarios above offer few differences in their best approach to survival. The end point of each is likely the same. The only difference is the timetable in getting there. Whether the progression toward lawlessness is slow in the progressive scenario or fast in the immediate scenario or based solely on God's disclosure in Scripture, the vast majority of those impacted by one or more of the events listed above will perish within a few weeks of total anarchy. By the one-year mark, only a small number of militia-type groups, a remnant of military personnel who have not gone AWOL, a few outlier fortified towns, and even fewer hardy individuals will remain. For an explanation of this very dim view of our future, let me return to the grocery store Walmart references above. To me, the most likely scenario would be an EMP, or a direct nuclear attack from a malevolent source. A large nuclear device detonated 250 to 300 miles above Kansas would likely impact all of the continental United States, wiping out our power grid. There would be no sound, no significant light, no fallout, and no ongoing danger to human life. Some military equipment has been hearted against such an EMP attack, but much has not. All civilian electronic devices would likely be irreparably damaged and destroyed. This would include civilian power stations, of which we have 10,000 of them across the country in varying sizes. It would include most cars and trucks, airplanes, radios, computers, personal generators, some solar panels, phones, and electronic clocks, and so forth. Further, any control devices for dams, nuclear reactors, power water pumping stations would all stop. And repair parts, particularly for the power grid itself, currently have an order lead time of one to two years being sourced out of China. This is especially true for the larger transformers. Financial markets will likely be in total collapse, and if the damage is geographically limited to the U.S., such as in the case of an EMP or limited nuclear engagement, other nations will be dealing with their own shortages as well. If the event was a nuclear attack and retaliation, all nations would ultimately be directly impacted. Continuing under the EMP scenario, when human life will not be immediately impacted, 
most people will not have any ability to communicate. They will be unaware of the magnitude and longevity of the problem. Within a few days, particularly within the inner cities of America, looting will begin and police will quickly be overwhelmed. Hospitals and other support services will initially try to provide help. However, within the course of a week, most caregivers will try to return home to protect their own families. That is based on available transportation, which would have to be non-motorized in many cases. Within two weeks, the inner cities will be controlled by warring factions attempting to acquire as much food, water, guns, ammunition, and able-bodied recruits as possible. Within three weeks, these groups will begin to expand into the suburbs, which by now are also out of food and supplies. Those who barricade their families in with, inside their homes will be systematically rooted out for their supplies. The more defense they put up against vigilante gangs, the more attention they will draw as preppers with extended food storage. There will be a few who see the signs of what may be coming and have prepared hidden stashes on remote property or have established a relationship with others on an outlying farm, for example. They will likely survive the longest, but only if they can safely get to their camps and have sufficient manpower and resources to withstand multiple attacks. Those who believe they can run to the mountains with a gun and hide will ultimately discover that games such as rabbit and deer and so forth in the area will be poached clean in a matter of a few months. Most farmers will perish as gangs continue to spread out in search of supplies. So the question comes down to survival or perish. If America becomes lawless, should biblical Christians try to survive or allow themselves to perish prematurely as they relinquish all their food and supplies to others? My answer is to accept the reality of the situation that presents itself. If you believe there is a reasonable chance that lawlessness will last less than a month, Perhaps being prepared to protect your family and survive is the right approach. Those who come through a period of lawlessness as born-again believers will be able to provide eternal comfort to an otherwise ravaged population. Further, protecting our families from harm should be one of our highest priorities. A reference to 1 Timothy 3.5 However, if you have a reasonable belief that lawlessness will continue longer than a month, and you live in a city or surrounding communities, you will not be able to successfully protect your loved ones from harm. Nor will you be able to hide from those who are slowly starving and systematically searching for food. Barricades, guns, and grit will not protect you from a mob organized by well-trained, well-armed leaders with military field experience. Only sufficient numbers of like-minded survivors banding together in a defensible position will provide any safety. The problem with that approach is the moral rationalization that will force you and your group to take from others to feed yourselves. Simply put, if the choice becomes a question of when and how you and your loved ones will perish rather than if, Consider using what supplies you have to strategically help others. By doing so while sharing the gospel, you will offer eternity to an otherwise lost and dying people. 
that may appear on the surface to be a supreme sacrifice as your group becomes increasingly hungry and in desperate need themselves. However, fear is overcome by faith. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And love overcomes all evil. Romans 12, 21. The Lord will honor your commitment to him as he welcomes you into his kingdom. 2 Peter 1, 11. Christian versus Biblical Christian. Is there a difference? Why do we at bcworldview.org feel a need to differentiate between the word Christian and the words Biblical Christian? What's the difference between the two? Isn't the word Biblical redundant? Sadly, in post-Christian America, the answer is no. Definitions of words have changed dramatically. A few examples. 20 years ago, the word fundamentalist was reserved strictly as a short version of fundamentalist Christian. Likewise, and currently, U Dictionary continues to define the word fundamentalism as, quote, a form of Christianity where the Bible is taken literally and obeyed in full. However, with the rise of the jihadist movement, the word fundamentalist has been redefined more popularly today as Islamic fundamentalists. Another example that more specifically outlines the need for clarity by adding the word biblical in front of Christian has to do with how soft our culture has become in defining what it means to be a Christian. 20 years ago, for example, Mormons were very clear in their promotional material that they were not Christians. This was due to past clarity in the general populace in understanding what it meant to be a Christian, in particular, a born-again Christian. However, in our current post-Christian culture, the LDS Church has become much more willing to use the word Christian as a marketing tool to attract converts. Today, if one types into a Google search, quote, are Mormons Christian, unquote, the first result at the top of the list is a quote from Luther College. Interestingly, Luther refers to themselves as, quote, having progressive understandings of Christianity, unquote. Not surprisingly, they offer unchallenged explanation of the Mormon faith by saying, quote, the Church of the Latter-day Saints, or LDS, is the fourth largest church in the U.S. and the fastest growing. The saints, or Mormons, as they are referred to by the church and its outsiders, assert that they are Christians as they believe in Jesus Christ of the Bible. Mormons themselves directly assert that they are Christians on their website. The second return from Google is the LDS official website, which further clarifies their position as, quote, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is a Christian church, but is neither Catholic nor Protestant, unquote. Again, this demonstrates the need to be more specific in clarifying the theological stance of our website, bcworldview.org, as representing a biblical Christian worldview. A third and final example demonstrating the need for adding the term biblical comes from Dr. Emmanuel Cleaver. You may remember the controversy associated with the invocation of the 117th Congress in January of 2021. That morning, Dr. Cleaver closed his prayer by stating the infamous words, quote, Amen and Ah Woman, unquote. What was missing from all the clamor was the rest of his concluding remarks. I wrote a blog on bcworldview.org expanding on how his reference to Brahma, 
one of the three gods of Hinduism, was unbiblical. In that same sentence, he added, quote, in the name of the monotheistic God, unquote. This would have been just another example of false theology, except for the fact that Dr. Cleaver has served for 37 years as senior pastor of St. James United Methodist Church and has a master's degree from a Methodist seminary. In summary, the words biblical Christian define a true believer. They include an understanding of Jesus Christ and the Trinity, a recognition of God as omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent and an acceptance of the Bible as the inerrant word of God in its original writing and having supreme authority. The term also recognizes man as a sinner, saved by God's grace and mercy. Our belief page on bcworldview.org provides a clearer picture of the fundamentals of biblical Christian worldview and the most important eternal life-changing experience one can have is to be born again. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. We at BC Worldview focus on the scripture as the foundation for our beliefs. That's all for this week's podcast. Please check us out at www.bcworldview.org. Media missionaries providing honest reporting and analysis on the intersection of contemporary issues and theology based on a biblical Christian worldview. May God bless you and protect you as you share your faith with a lost and dying world. Biblical Christian Worldview. Media missionaries where Christianity and culture collide.